and a happy new year, everybody. This is Working the Beat. This is our end of year, end of decade spectacular, which means Kern will talk about 10 years of it's tacos. not the New Year's yet. I just got something here yeah. from uh, Boston Market, buy one, get one ribs or something. Why doesn't Jack in the Box ever send me All right, so 40 seconds into the one. show, he gets in Jack in a Box. It's so awesome. what? What's the problem All with right, that? We, we want to cover Mike, the Mike, do you have a problem with that? You, you were in Houston with This is Mike one. Silski, by the way, as I introduce people. And this, this show has gone completely off the rails already. Yeah. Hi, Mike. Uh, it's meeting every expectation I had. Kevin. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> where's, where's Murph at? Didn't Murph used to do <laughs> Murph and I had our own podcast. Half hour into the podcast. Mike would look at me. Give me, <laughs> give, give me this look, and I'd be, I'd be like, hey, it's your podcast, man. <laughs> and joining us via remote location, uh, because he's been he needs about two hours sleep to exist. It's John Johnson. Hi, John. How are you? Gentlemen, good morning. Good afternoon. Who's a gentleman? Uh, oh, okay. Um, Everybody else. I'm sure there's somebody in that room. <laughs> My dogs are downstairs. Hey, John, you're going. You're winning the championship now. Congratulations, brother. That's what I hear. You beat the Bucks. You're on to the NBA Finals. <laughs> no, the championship, man. No finals. <laughs> um. All right. So let's let me ask the overriding question on 2019. How do you define this year in Philadelphia sports, Michael? Define the year in in Philadelphia sports. Um. I would say um, great expectations, uh, some of which were met in, in this regard. Um, you had an Eagles team that made a rev- relatively surprising run to the second round of the playoffs, even though it didn't have Carson Wentz. Right. Everybody got to relive uh, the magic of Nick Foles for another couple of weeks. You had the Sixers... Um, Performing better, I guess you'd say, in the second round of the playoffs, coming within one shot of advancing to the Eastern Conference Finals. But again, disappointment that they couldn't close the deal and and take that next step tangibly. Uh, You had the Phillies making these, you know, spending this incredible amount of money to acquire talent, Bryce Harper, Gene Segura, uh, you know, Andrew McCutcheon, and yet the team flatlines, you know, stays exactly the same. And, uh, And the Flyers... I think, even though they missed the playoffs, took a step forward in a way by understanding what they had uh, already there and understanding that it, that it just kind of needed a little bit extra and a little bit of time to marinate. And I think now, if you look at the end of the, the year, you say to yourself, the Sixers are a legitimate uh, conference championship uh, contender, mm-hmm. if not more than that. You say that the Flyers are seem to be a solid playoff team, barring yep. some sort of collapse. Or, um, or major injury to the goaltender. Or a major injury to Carter Hart. Um, I think the Eagles are on the precipice of the playoffs, which if you told somebody at the beginning of the season, they'd say, oh, well, that's a disappointing year. But if you consider the totality of the year and the injuries they, they've sustained, sustained and the makeup of the team now, you'd say, okay, we'll take that. And then you have the Phillies who... Might have gotten a little bit better uh, and might yet get a little bit better. Uh, they have a better manager in place. Uh, they let Patances go to the Mets. I'm not happy with not that. Great, not a great move, but, but that's, they yeah. added a starting pitcher who has promise. Yeah. Um, and I think it was a pretty smart move and a cost-effective move relative to others that were made in this offseason. Right. So I think you're feeling okay about things. John, where are you at this point? I, I, mean, I mean, Mike, you know, he summed it up fairly well. I would say it's more of so close yet so far. 
I mean, I, you know, to start with the 76ers, they made it to the second round of the playoffs through eight bounces off the rim and a Kawhi shot away. They could have went to the NBA Finals, but guess what? They didn't. And uh, they could have went to, I should say, the Conference Finals, which could have led to the NBA Finals. And for all the transactions they made to acquire more talent, they exited in the same round that they did the year before. So they tried, but they fell well short and have made adjustments accordingly since and will need to continue to make upgrades to that roster. Uh, and hopefully we'll be able to get over that hump. So that's so close yet so far. The Phillies spent an absorbent amount of money. They got Bryce Harper. They got the prize. So it was it was a great thing. But it was the wrong manager from the get-go. They stuck with him, and it turned out to be a massive mistake. Mm-hmm. The general manager made costly errors in certain free agent acquisitions, mainly pitching. And you could, I mean, maybe even position players. Segura is a guy that, you know, may not have a future here in Philly. But since that point in time, whether you credit the general manager or the managing partner in Middleton, they made the biggest decision, the smartest decision they could have made in um, uh, bringing in Joe Girardi to be the next manager. And now they have to follow through and and not be cheap and and hold back on that luxury tax to, you know, bring this team where it should be because the division's getting so much better and they're still in third or fourth place sitting behind a couple other teams. The Flyers came to a realization, brought in a guy who has had success in two other places, taken two teams to the Stanley Cup final, a no-nonsense guy, doesn't care how much you make, who you are, you listen to what he says, or you're going to sit on the bench. So the Flyers are looking in the right direction. And then who did I leave out? The Eagles, Yeah. who uh, unfortunately an Alshon Jeffrey drop away maybe could have beaten the Saints and you know, could have beat the Rams, too, if you think about could have, it. Right, and maybe could have beaten the Rams in the NFC Championship. So, again, all four, well, really two of the four, fall into the so close yet so far. Phillies, uh, boy, oh, boy, they could. there's still quite a conversation. And the Flyers are kind of a wait and see, but they're on the right path. Yeah, you know, and I'm going to start the conversation. We'll start with the Phillies, who made the biggest splash with the Harper move. But, um, you know, Kern and I talked about this before. Guys, I'm amazed, and I'll throw this out to you, Mike. Here's a team that is literally like a hair away from the luxury tax. Doesn't want to go over that luxury tax. It's pretty clear with the Patances move, they're not going over the luxury tax. And they have such talent deficits at key positions. Three starting pitchers right now. You know, How do you get to that point where you are spending this much money? You're in maybe the top six or seven in payroll and you have gaping holes all over the diamond, really. Because you don't have a good farm system. And yeah. that's something that predates Matt Clintac. Uh, it goes back to, I would argue, as far back as a decade, as far back, even farther than that, to 2007, 2008. After Jimmy and those guys came Yeah, when, when Mike Arbuckle left and Marty Wellover took over direction of their drafting and farm system, they took on this... Philosophy that they were going to swing big for prospects, athletes, right? For athletes, that the consummate. I did a story about this a couple of years ago. The consummate example of that was the kid Anthony Hewitt, who they drafted in the first round in two thousand eight, who played at a small boarding school in Connecticut and hit like seven hundred, but he might as well have been doing it against slow pitch softball pitchers. And then they got him in their system, and he couldn't hit a curveball. It's like a basketball kid that plays like Class D League or something exactly. and averages 10 blocks a game. Exactly. And they yeah. did that over and over again. And they went through a 10-year period where they, they just hollowed out their farm system. And 
you can't. It's it's easier to hollow out a farm system than it is to restock it. The Flyers went through exactly the same thing for a nine-year period. And isn't that kind of like, too, like if the birds don't draft well for three or four or five years, which exactly. we've kind of, that, that has kind of the same effect, right? Because that's your minor league. Right. If you don't, you, you can't, I mean, the, the, to say that they're this close to spending the luxury tax and they have talent deficits, no team can fill every single position on the diamond by spending a lot in free agency. You have to have some guys who come up through your system and who are low cost. Like Atlanta, like Atlanta like right Atlanta now. Like Atlanta does. But they, and they stung for a while. They I did, mean, they, they went through their... And go back and look at guys... But not nearly as long as the Phillies have. No, no. go back and look at... And they had more guys. success than the Phillies for yeah. a longer amount of time. Like Ronald Acuna has been in their system for seven years or something really? like that. Really? Sign yeah. him at 17. Sign him at 17 okay. or 16, something like that. You know, and that's... And that's another area where they've lacked too, right? Is yeah. in the in, in the Caribbean, right? Or how, whatever you... The, Latinos. Yeah, exactly. It, that that area, you have to have play. You know, you have to have that pipeline, and it takes time. Everybody, the reason everybody talks about Alex Bone potentially because he's the up, only thing he's left. The only thing left. And apparently, he can't play defense very well. So, I'm now. So I'm hearing uh, John. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Alec Bone and Spencer Howard are really all anybody are clinging to in that farm system. Mike's right. This is a, a huge organizational problem that's been going on for many many years. And, you know, the ownership right now is willing to spend a certain amount of dollars, and they're hoping that that farm system can fill in the missing gaps because the problem is Phillies fans are going to be immensely disappointed. Joe Girardi is only going to be able to do so much. You're hoping that some of these guys can turn it around under different leadership and under different direction. Well, right. Well, yeah, they spent so. I, no, I agree. Ask the you. question again. Yeah, what happened to all the stupid money? <laughs> no, but that's the problem, though, Mike. Like, you can't fill an entire roster via free agents. Oh, I agree. You need to have youth and talent coming up, as Mike mentioned, the pipeline, which which the, the Phillies simply do not have. And it is a massive problem that is not going to be corrected overnight. So the Phillies, barring something unforeseen, in my opinion, they're going to continue to fall short. Because they are missing on you know that vital young talent, and it's some it's a situation that the Eagles are about to find themselves in because Howie Roseman has done a horrible job drafting these past few years. And and the one thing with the Phillies too is the fact that you know they've gone analytic heavy, and I think the natural thing is that you have to be either an old school team or an analytic team. And you, in reality, the teams that win are the ones who merge it, and. Washington is a scout-based team, but they have you. They've trended a little more towards analytics and all that. I think the Phillies went from no analytics to everything analytics, and now it's like they're going to have to undergo a correction here. And the only way the correction is going to happen is with the new general manager and team president. In my mind, I, I think that at this point, Matt Clentak and Andy McPhail for them to move forward. As an organization, I think they're going to have to try probably end up making switches on them. And, and that, I think, is my prediction for 2020. You're right, John. They, they're fourth place in this division right now. I, I think that you, the Mets are better. I think the Nationals are better and the Braves are better. And that's a bad place for the Phillies to be. Yeah, it's a tough – it's a real tough spot. The thing is, it's – I mean, bringing in Joe Girardi is a great start. And so uh, almost every move they've made since has clearly been a decision made by Joe Girardi and then – uh, carried out by the general manager, so I, I I don't know how quickly they can you know make the transition like this. Like Andy McPhail, I don't know what he's doing anyway. I mean, he's there. You, you talk to him twice a year, and 
he throws a couple numbers at you and a couple words at you, but I don't know if he's anything more than a listening ear for Middleton and for Matt Klintak. So I, it's it really it's a shame to say this. The issues stem with John Middleton and him allowing certain individuals to be in place and to you know run their organization in the manner in which they do. And Middleton's just you know he's funding it all and fully supporting it. So to go from the Stone Age to the Space Age with analytics. Without finding that middle ground, uh, it's a serious problem. One of the problems in this town. In the last 52 years, they've won six titles. Okay, Phillies two, Flyers two, and that was like 45 years ago. Eagles won, Sixers won. Every time a team gets a little good, we're going to win championship. And the expectations get here. And then, obviously, because it's hard to win championships. And should that be the goal? Sure. Eagles win the Super Bowl two years ago. Last year, all I heard in the offseason was, they got a better team than they did last year. Huh? They won the Super Bowl. Better team. Okay, Didn't turn out that way. Oh, whatever. Coming back this year, oh, they got a better team. That's all I heard, right? Offseason. Well, no, they didn't. Forget the injuries. I know the injuries played a part. I get all that. Phillies. What did we hear about the Phillies? Spring training. And then after the first month of the season, oh, my God. And this is what happens in this town all the time. Now, the Sixers are going through that now. Although I think the Sixers are legit. I think the Sixers have a shot. But what if they don't win? What if, God forbid, they lose to the Celtics in the second round? What, or so let's say to Milwaukee in the third round, which could happen. It's going to be just like, if the Sixers lose to Milwaukee in, in the Eastern Finals, I'm, I'm going to say, in like a six or seven game series, I'll say, okay, it was a good year. They're a little bit better than you. But that's what this town does. As soon as the Flyers, I'm telling you right now, it'll happen. They'll get on a roll or something. Carter Hart will be playing great. Maybe went around. We're going, we're going to the, but I'm saying this town gets so carried away with things. And, and we're part of that. I mean, we're, we're for right or wrong. Sure. That's why I try to be like, and people say to me, Mike, you're so naked. No, I just try to be the voice of reason. Tell me how many titles we've won. And then I, and, and we'll go. But that's the problem is people can't just say, hey, yeah, they're, they're pretty good. They, they, they No, we're, we're going. The, the Eagles beat the Cowboys last week for crying out loud. And people are seriously, some idiots are not talking about, yeah, they could make a run. Run it? What? Yeah. Yeah, Maybe they can win a game. It, I'll give it, them that if fun- they beat the Giants. It's funny because, <laughs> I mean, I, the, the, the metaphor, uh, and I kind of stole it from our friend and former colleague, Rich Hoffman, uh, that I use often is that people, sports fans in Philadelphia often look to the sky for the safe that's about to fall on their head. It's like they always think that that's, you know, disasters. And there's nothing the wrong with being optimistic. Well, that's just it. It's, it's kind of this twisted form of optimism where as soon as there are indications that things are going well, a lot of people rush to the absolute best-case scenario. Mm -hmm. I still have friends and family members who talk about how Charlie Manuel stole a second World Series championship from them because of the way he used Cole Hamels in the World Series. In Game 3? Yeah, in Game 3 against the Yankees or something along those lines. Or that Ruben Amaro stole a second World Series because he didn't keep... Um, Jason Worth or, or, or Cliff Lee and Roy Halladay. He didn't put Cliff Lee and Roy Halladay yeah. together if earlier. If people only knew that it was David who really forced that trade. Yeah. Right? And um, they weren't paying Worth $130 million or whatever. that's beside the point. Right. There, there is this sense of optimism and almost entitlement. And, and while on the one hand, Mike, I think you're right, and I think I understand why people feel that way because they have so infrequently celebrated right. a championship. And we're not New York. 
Right. We're that persecution kind of thing. Um, we're temple to Villanova. Exactly. But by the same token, <laughs> Sorry, John, I'm a, I'm John, a Johnson's now gritting his teeth uh, on that one. I'm a temple guy, you know. Uh, but, by, but by the same token, like that sense of entitlement, that sense of we want it and we want it right now, I think contributes to these four franchises often making decisions that they otherwise yeah. should not make. Like I thought... Was I disappointed when, when they didn't win in 2010 or the Phillies in 2000? Sure. I thought getting to the World Series in 2009, I think they were the first National League team since the mid-70s, to get back and, and lose to a really good Yankee team. And they, and they, the Yankee team filled I, with Hall of Famers, but, by the way. But I thought that was like a great accomplishment. Yeah. And yet people look back in the nail. Like, oh, I said, no, you got back to the World Series. Yeah. And they gave us some great moments. That was the Jimmy year, right? Yep. The Jimmy yeah. base hit. With the double. But it's hard. I tell people this all the time. Jay Wright's won two titles in three in a three-year span. It's hard to do to yeah. win. And they did it. And and that's why it's great when you do it. But then immediately, as soon as the Eagles had won the Super Bowl, they was like, well, we're going to win again. And hey, maybe you could win again. Maybe you can win again. But I think more and more we're going to look back on that and go, my God, how'd that happen? Yeah. Well, and John, <laughs> let me let me bring you in on this because I think you cover almost better. And I'm talking better. to a LaSalle guy whose greatest moment was yeah, tell, tell me Southwest Philly South floater. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. Uh, the most entitled franchise, I think, of the fan bases is the Sixers. Fairly yeah. or not. Would you agree? No, no, no. I, I would absolutely. But – you know, it's funny. It's always because I'm in such a middle ground because it's so easy to feed off this kind of stuff when you're doing talk shows because this is exactly what people want to talk about. And, you know, winning now versus yesterday. I will say, though, what the Sixers did, uh, you know, in that complete rebuild in the process, that was, I mean, the first time that I can ever recall in Philadelphia sports history where a large percentage of the fan base was completely behind tearing it down you know, going through terrible years in the attempt of trying to do something in a different manner and try to do it right versus Band-Aid after Band-Aid after Band-Aid, uh, which, put, which puts franchises in horrible situations and hampers them for, you know, years to come. So it's, it's, it's such an interesting middle ground. But I, I, it does seem like uh, an under, I don't, I don't think, I, don't, I can't think of a particular age, but under a certain age, there is a grouping that's more willing to be patient for the proper an attempt to properly build a franchise to get to that point but once you get there like where the Sixers are now and because you've been so patient it's you better win for me right now or heads are going to roll yeah John makes a great point there and I've written about this I think it's a generational thing I think it's a matter of when you were growing up what were the Sixers so like if you remember the 64 Phillies, it, it has a different impact on you than if you didn't Let, live through yes. that. Let's stick with the Sixers, for instance. If you grew up, the, oh, the man good. John works with is a great example of this. Angelo Cataldi killed Sam Henke for the process. Angelo Cataldi grew up in New England, a fan of who? Boss, Will, Will, Will Chamberlain. Chamberlain. Okay. Will Chamberlain is his favorite player. <laughs> if, if, you fo- if you were young following the Sixers in the late 70s and early to mid-1980s, all you knew were the Sixers as a winning team. So the idea that they would break it down. But they never them, won. They never got but, to the. But, to, they, but they were knocking on the door. Right, right. I mean, right. if you grew up in the era that. Yeah, but Mike we, owe you, I, we owe you one, right. two, three, four. But, but my point being, if yeah. you grew up as a Sixers fan, kind of as I did in the mid 90s, where the only thing you had to cheer oh, for was I, Dana Barrows and Clarence Weatherspoon. And Clarence I get what you're saying. Okay. You're saying to yourself, you know what? Yes, I'll take the logic and the 
forward thinking of the process because I remember what it was I forgot like. you were so young. Yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry to depress everybody. I'll take the logic and forward thinking of the process because I remember yeah. I, I went through years and years of following this team mm-hmm. when it didn't have a clue, when it was drafting Sean Bradley right. and feeding him cheesecake after practice. It's going to change the game, by the way. Yeah, yeah, Sonny right. Hill told me that. Yeah. You know, yeah. feeding him, having him See. run and feeding him cheesecake See. after practice until he puked. Now, I hated the process, but... I understood that the alternative was no good either. Mm-hmm. The alternative was you're going to be an eight seed or, or, or a nine or whatever you were going to be. So I got, it just to me, it just took too long. Mm-hmm. And the Sixers were kind of like, yeah, no, no, we gave you like three years. Like, let, let's start seeing. And they made mistakes during it, but you're not yeah. going to hit on everything. Yeah. But I hated the process while it was going on. But I'm with John. It's like, and I don't think they have to win. For me, they don't have to win a championship this year. But they have to win a championship Soon. At some point. You know, in the next two or three years, there better be a parade somewhere down wherever they would have it. And part of the impatience, I think, of the Flyers fan base, as I transition to them, the Flyers fan base is the most impatient of all because they were a reflection of what their owner was for a long time. And Ed Snyder was never one who was going to sit back and let things develop until... Basically, Ed was out of the loop there in the last year or two, and he gave the keys to Ron Hextall. And then when Ed died... Basically, the Comcast people got antsy, and that's how you end up with Hextall getting fired and and all the changes. Why is it that the Flyer fan base, the, this Flyer fan base has not taken to this team to this yet, point? No. Why? It's been 45 years, I man. Think, I think part of it is um, they are still, in their own way, recovering from the last five or six years, yeah. seven years. Um, where there was a change in mindset in the franchise. I do think this is one of those situations, and John's around the team a lot too, maybe he can speak to this after me, that the, the team itself, the franchise itself, conditioned the way the fan base thought, as you said, Kevin. Ed Snyder went go, for go, it, go, never went retreat. For it every, every year. Mm-hmm. And then when he you know, wasn't there anymore, and Ron Hextall was calling the shots, it was very much a... No, we are not going for it every year. There is an infrastructure to this organization that has to be rebuilt because it doesn't exist anymore. There's no farm do, system Do you think here. part of what Kevin was talking about, the reluctance of people, is that they realize this team can't win a cup this year? I mean, a good year for them would be to get to the playoffs and maybe win a series. No, I think part of it, no, I don't think that's it Okay. Yet. I think it is. Economic? Yet. They've got to show us that show they're us. still this good I got you. come March. And economic? You. And economic, and I think, honestly, I think two other things. I think the atmosphere in the building is keeping hardcore fans away who otherwise would buy tickets. Mm-hmm. I think there's a segment of the What do you mean, base. the family atmosphere? No, the, the loud rock noise, I gritty. Oh. I think there's a segment of the fan base that doesn't want to be condescended. To. Gotcha. And okay. they are doing that in an attempt to... to Bring in uh, more fans. Gotcha. More, y- younger, younger fans. fans. Younger fans, things like that. And you're going to laugh... Kate's but I Smith. think there is a segment of the fan base that got ticked off when they uh, memory hold Kate Smith. I really do. I really? Think you think yes. that? Yeah. I think not just for reasons of the team's history. And Ed wouldn't have done that. There, not there's just for no, reasons yeah. of the team's history, but for reasons of what is perceived as political correctness. correctness. Okay. And there was nothing wrong with Kate Smith, and you made a, corp- a cowardly corporate decision, and I'm not giving you my See, money. And I'm old enough... To remember, I'll, I'll let John go and say, I'm old enough to remember when no teams wanted to come into the spectrum. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it was sort of like that with the vet too. Yeah. I mean, the vet was like, but for different <laughs> reasons maybe. And now they play but in like, it's, it's not. It's I don't a bad think, building. It's a bad building. Yeah, but the first. building ain't going anywhere. 
I mean, no, it's, they it's, just renovated. And the link isn't going anywhere. And, John, you know. John, do you buy Mike's it, it, argument about why people are why there are a ton of empty seats at every Flyers game now? I mean, it's a perfect storm of things. You know, it, it's funny. Uh, younger sports fans, in general, people, a lot of fans view baseball fans as you know purists. They like the game the way that it is. Don't change things. In reality, hockey fans are worse. Hockey, worse in the sense where they don't want change. They like the things the way that it was, the, the hockey hardcore. I've been here since, you know, I've been a huge fan since a small child. They don't like the corporate takeover. They don't like that it's a corporation owning the Flyers. They don't like that the face of the organization is a mascot, you know, and they don't, they don't like the way over the top. I need to entertain you at all times when you go to a game. And then when you add it all up, the team hasn't won anything in recent years. You know, anything of relevance at all, let alone even a playoff series. So when a certain generation gets to a certain point where they don't want to invest into that type of money anymore, and, uh, you know, hockey tickets are very expensive if you want to be. And they jacked it up about 100% this year. Yeah, they they jacked it up a large percentage once again. And you're at a point now where you're seeing 5,000 empty seats at least every single night because not only is the team, you know, there's there's still – they made the right decisions in bringing in – uh, Elaine Vigneault, who's had success, and they made changes in the front office. So they were attempting to change everything and turn everything around. But right now, from a fan point of view, from a generalized fan point of view, you know, they're almost they're in limbo. They're almost in purgatory. They identify Claude Giroux, although he has put up amazing numbers, as a guy who plays, who's, I don't want to say part of the problem, but a guy, he is viewed by some as, as, a leader of a team who is holding the organization back from becoming better. And, and it's a shame because it's a twisted point of view by some fans because that's the only way they identify this Flyers team. They haven't been relevant in 15 years. Right. All right, guys, uh, just a kind of a rapid fire on this year. What was the best moment of 2019? Philadelphia sports. Hmm. Boy. Hmm. Don't jump all at once, well, guys. Well, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to think. I'm trying um, to think, yeah. I, I'm just going to say what comes to mind, a couple things. The double doink. Yeah. Um, but wait a minute. We're supposed to be picking good moments, aren't we? Oh, double doink was great. Oh, double doink. I, I'm yeah. thinking of quadruple doink. Oh, okay. No, no, no. No, the, yeah. the, the Cody Parking miss. Cody Parking miss, yes. Um, <laughs> the, I would say the, the, the moment that everyone in and around the city knew that the Phillies were had had reached an agreement with Bryce Harper mm-hmm. um, the yeah. way that that news spread like wildfire um, and people's reaction to it because it had just been so prolonged and drawn out for so many months um, I'm trying to think of other I mean there's nothing flyers related that I could think of there's nothing Carter Hart made a save yeah <laughs> he's really well, good how, how, he's about, how, about, how about Ben Simmons in a three about, I hate saying Oscar Lindblom the, 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 the well, support. I think that's terrible news. No, no, no. But the support shown for Oscar. Well, Lindblom. I mean, that's not a moment. Yeah. I mean, that's. Um, I, I mean, mean it's, it's it it's almost a shame because I I I think the only, like the overwhelming highlight of 2019 is the signing of Bryce Harper. I mean, I, I yeah. everything else is kind of the double doink was nice, but then they ended up losing in the next round. You know, the Sixers fell short. The Flyers are you know revamping their entire. We won the off season, John. Yeah, I mean that's uh, sadly that's you know it's it falls into the so close yet so far. I mean Bryce Harper might be the highlight of 2019. Uh, I would not disagree with that. What's the worst moment? Obviously the Lindblom 
news. Well, the, the, Blim, the Lindblom news is right up there. I mean, yeah, I don't not ha- just because I don't you don't want to see that happen to... Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, you don't want to see that happen to anyone ever. But the fact that it happens to a 23-year-old kid yeah. who is finally, you know, reaching his potential as yeah. a as a really good player in the yeah. National Hockey League. I mean, at one time he led the team in goals this season. And to have that happen is just... And, and the Flyers have... I mean, everybody knows their history of... of yeah, I mean, tragedy. they've had a lot of sh- crap you happen know, to them. Pelly Lindbergh, Dimitri Tertigny, Yannick Dupre, Barry Ashby. Barry Ashby. Yeah. You know, there's one after the other after the other. Um, that would be a bad moment, I think, if you want to stick strictly to what happens on the field or on the court or on the ice... The Kawhi Leonard shot. It's got to be. It's got to be it's the low be. point. They could have won. I mean, I'm not saying they would have beat the Bucs because I'm still not sure. But I think the it Bucks was a pretty good matchup. No, no, but what I'm saying is the Bucs were up 2 nothing, and I think for whatever reasons they got – maybe they do, maybe they don't. And we didn't think anybody could beat Golden State until then Golden State. But the Sixers were that close to maybe win the title last year. Yeah. yeah. Which, you know, at the time we didn't think so maybe because yeah. nobody's going to beat Golden State because they got all these guys. But, you know, as it turns out, you were maybe that, that one bounce right. away from – John, yeah, I'm thinking of a low point. It's probably that quadruple doink. Another high. I'm trying to think of where this fits into 2019. The the decision by the Eagles, you know, I mean, the, the whole Carson Wentz, Nick Foles fiasco, uh, or, or I shouldn't say fiasco, just debating it. I mean, that consumed a lot of this calendar year as well. As Kern, by the way, takes two more Oreos out of the pile. <laughs> how, how about, and this is going to sound stupid because it doesn't really compare to those. But I thought when Deshaun Jackson went down mm-hmm. after the big first game and everybody's all excited and it just seemed like a lot of air went out of, you know, like, oh, my God. And then yeah, I remember the first thing Kevin said, that's what, when you sign old guys and Joe Banner never would, would have done that, right or wrong, whatever. But, but man, I mean, he played one game right. and the one game was good. Yeah, I, th- I think John makes a good, a good point and brings up a good the, – the Carson Wentz-Nick Foles yes. discussion that lasted – Will never go year, away. It's not only going to never go away – it's, it's, it is puzzling. It is puzzling to me how intractable people are on that. What's issue. that word? <laughs> intractable, like meaning they've staked out their positions and you cannot change them. Yeah, that's um, about it. I got and guys who still say to me, and I'm like, well, he's not playing in, in Jacksonville. Yeah, kind of- uh, you know that that it, it boggles my mind that people can't see, and maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. That people can't Parade, see those parades two giving guys. an image, though. Yeah, that, that see those two guys as quarterbacks for what they okay. are. If Alshon Jeffrey catches the ball and they beat the Saints, and God forbid they, they beat the Rams, just say, which could have happened. Yeah, I don't think they would, but, but okay. Let's say they would have got to the Super Bowl, maybe lost in the Super Bowl. I don't know. New England played like crap, but who knows. Would the Eagles have made a different decision? No. Okay, let me... If the Eagles had won the Super Bowl last year, which I know wasn't going to happen, but they if would they have had two statues, there was no way they Wentz. let him walk away. I don't think. I think this town would have killed them. If a quarterback that led you to, and I get all the reasons, Wentz is the guy you moved up to take. He's younger. He's this. I, I couldn't see the Eagles nature, better. Here, let, me, let me put it this way, and John, jump in if you disagree. The nature of how they would have won that Super Bowl mm-hmm. would have factored in. This is what this gets to the heart of what I'm talking about. Go back and watch Nick Foles in those two playoff games. He is not good. He's not good in either game. You mean game. the two last year? Yes. Yeah. Oh, mean, the, the Bears he wasn't. No, no you're right. He was awful game. against the Saints. Right. He has a an excellent first quarter, and he is horse bleep. One change what people game. think, though. We, I'm with you. But my point is, 
part of what colors the Foles Wentz dis- has colored the Foles Wentz discussion is not just that the Eagles won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles and not Carson Wentz. It is that Nick Foles had the best NFC Championship game Absolutely. of virtually any quarterback who's ever played, and then played better than that in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If the Eagles no. had won the Super Bowl last year with him playing that way, mm-hmm. that's one thing. Right. If they get to the Super Bowl because Drew Brees throws a late interception or the Rams burp the ball up four times and they're winning these games 19 to 16. But I know this town, Mike. That's different. Mike, I know this town, though. It's the same uh, yeah, reason that's... why the Phillies had to sign Ryan Howard oh. at one point. It didn't yeah. make sense. But if they let Ryan Howard go, and here's one more thing before we go, John. Yeah. Can you imagine if the Eagles had figured out a way to keep Foles for like $10 million? Let's just say Foles said, hey, I really like it here. What would have happened this year when they were like four and five and Wentz was well, playing like crap? Never stay. I, I, yeah. Oh, John. No, here's where I will disagree with Mike Sealski. If What? You know, if they had gone to the NFC Championship game and lost, okay, whatever. If they had gone back to a second consecutive Super Bowl, there's no doubt in my mind they would have found a way to trade Carson Wentz somewhere and sign Nick Foles. And it would have been such an overwhelming, uh, you know, roar from the fan base. I mean, remember what he did in 2017. I mean, it's it's legend. It's it's so the odds were so stacked. It's fairy tale. It's something that never, ever happens. And in the matter in which he performed, as you pointed out, in both the NFC Championship and Super Bowl, that's simply it never happens. It Forget Hostetler. This was eons better than what Hostetler ever did in the NFC Championship and Super Bowl. I completely disagree. Um, They had invested too much in Wentz. Mm -hmm. Um, I I agree with Mike on this one. Wentz is four years younger than Foles. So on the day that they announced that they're letting Wentz go, I mean, not Wentz go, they're letting Foles Foles go. What would this town have been like? Because I know people now that are mad that he's not here, even without doing all that. All I can tell you is if you start making decisions oh, based I agree, on that. Oh, I agree with you. sit with the fans. Yeah. But you put a no, statue no, no, no. of this guy. So now you would have had two no, statues of this well, guy. I told you. And then I you're saying, see ya. <laughs> no, I, Mike, I logically, I agree with everything you're saying, and that's what might have happened. But right. I know this town. And... Hey, somebody probably said, you know, if we trade Wentz, you know, maybe we can get like, you know, and we can get like three more, three more years out of Foles and then we can draft another quarterback. I know, I know. But that's, I mean, the, the odds of winning a Super Bowl with your backup quarterback are so slim. And you did it twice. And then you would have done it twice. That's, that's, I'm going to use another word, big word here, Mike, infinitesimal. Like, I know that yeah, one. Right. <laughs> but see, that's all the more reason why the fans would have wanted him back. Well, they, because they're, they would have said, ridiculous. That, I'm not saying that, that you're wrong there, but that's how this fan base would have been. I'm just, uh, John, am no, I wrong? No, no, no. Please. no. Mike, Mike Sielski is right. Logically, the organization would have kept Carson Wentz. It made, I mean, they invested so much in order to trade up, to draft him. He and Mike would have had to write a column saying that. Right, and, and he would be absolutely correct. But I don't know if that's necessarily what would have happened. Uh, all right, so I got to admit, the Nick Foles talk, it gives you a headache after a while because it just – It's it, done. It, it's over. It's, it's never, it's never going to be. No, but it's over. It's, it's over. He's gone. Wentz is your quarterback. He's played well, and you just got to hope that – that he wins a Super Bowl one day. That's all. You remember Jody told Jody Mack told us a couple of weeks ago he thinks he could see Foles coming back here. I don't see that. Unless it's for I don't think buying organ- dinners and <laughs> pitching why cars organiza- somewhere. Why would the organization do that? The, the organization is not going to do not that. Not going to do that. You're, you're going to no, see I changes agree. in the offseason. Not, not only based on age and talent and money. 
you're going to see changes in the offseason so that they create a pro as pro Wenson environment as yep. you could possibly mm-hmm. have in that locker room. Mm-hmm. And bringing yep. Nick Foles back, as good a person as Nick Foles is and as good a soldier as he would be, would not be conducive no, to it wouldn't. And, and the Eagles were fortunate. Let's face it. They had the best backup quarterback, or one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league when they needed it. And like Mike said, he played the two greatest games of his life mm-hmm. when they needed it. You know, if you had had Sudfeld or what's the other guy they got, uh, or the uh, guy that's McNown. on Kansas City McNown. now, the sh- oh, little short I guy, know. they wouldn't have done that. They, I mean, it would have never happened. All right. Quick, one word answers on this. Alshon Jeffries, back in 2020? No. Mike? He may have to. It's not going to be one word. He may have to be because of his injury. I, I should have known he would never go one Kevin. word. Kevin. <laughs> Kevin, he's got an injury. You can't just get rid of him while he's injured. There's no chance he's back next year. Okay. Okay. So what do they do? Nelson Aguilar. No, no, no. You didn't answer oh, the question. Uh, they, they release him. But you can't when he's injured. He's, he's got an injury. an injury settlement. They, uh, okay. Uh, I'll, I'll believe that when I see it. Nelson Aguilar. No. No. John? No. Mike Grow. Ooh. Um, Ward. <laughs> um, Mike Grow back as the offensive coordinator. That's a good question. I'm going to say yes. Wow. I'm going to say no. And I don't think the quarterback's coach either yeah. is going to be back. That's I don't think the wide receiver's coach or the quarterback's coach will okay. be back. John? Uh, Mike Grow will be back. Okay. Okay. And Jim Schwartz, last one. Yes. Wow. Ask me after the Giants game. I, I'm going to say That's cheating. I'm going to say yes because even though they gave up 37 points or whatever it was, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say they're going to get rid of one of the coordinators. I think it's going to be the offensive guy. All right, John. Ooh, somebody's got to go here. Yeah. I mean, through all the ups and downs that were this season, you can only put so much on injury. If I'm going to say Mike Rose back, I'm going to say Jim Schwartz isn't. Okay. Maybe they're both gone. By the way, getting back to the worst moment of the year, and I, I could say it's it's a clash on worst press conference of the year between what John Middleton had after he fired Gabe Kapler, which Johnson and I were in the room, and that was <laughs> that was not good, was it? Press release with the Martelli thing, the firing of Marie Wozniak. Yeah, but nobody cares about Marie. Well, so, but no, I'm just but saying we, cha- we care about Marie. The changes in the way they handle no, the Martelli people get. That, that, All right, well, then the Martelli thing. They did it wrong. They, they, they handled it poorly. Yeah. I'm not saying he shouldn't have been let go. You can argue that from here to whenever. The way they did it was was the most asinine thing. And But they were afraid, this is my take, that if they praised him too much in that press release, then people would say, well, why are you getting rid of him? Yeah. You know, if you say, Phil's been with us for 34 years, and man, what a great guy in the community, but we're getting rid of him. Yeah. And, and so they, and then it's a new AD, and she, look, she's going to do things it's, her way. It's the old scene... From the movie Money. Now you covered the Billy Lang press conference when I you covered came the in. Billy Lang press conference and I did a sit down with sit down with Jill Bodensteiner, the athletic director at St. Joe's, who made the decision to fire Phil. And uh, she was getting pressure from alumni, there's no doubt about it. For that. years they yeah. Yes. Right. Um, to to Mike's point about how they did it, this to me is the new way, corporate way of doing things, and the best kind of cap encapsulation of it is a scene from the movie Moneyball, where Brad Pitt slash Billy Bean explains to his underling, Jonah Hill, would you rather have one shot to the head or five to the chest and bleed to death? And it is that thinking. It is, we are firing him 
Goodbye. Is this we like, just ripping the band It's just off. like when the paper comes up to you at four thirty on a Friday and says, "I'm Mike, collect your stuff." Um, yeah, you're goodbye. done. See ya. No. Goodbye. Yeah, we're and not then, gonna get weepy. We're not going to get sent. The Marie thing. The Marie thing was bad, but we're the only people that would get oh, that. Because I, I get it. Marie thing to me was worse than the Phil thing because. She had not done anything. Marie Wozniak, by the way, is the SID. And and she had nothing to do with the releases that they sent out. But she basically got whacked because of her ties to Phil. Yeah. Which is totally wrong. The the secretary got whacked. Her ties to St. Joe should have counted more than that. But, you know, hey, look, life happens, man. You're right. And so just the... All right. Before I get into the decade stuff at this point. It's not the end of the decade, by the way. No, okay, whatever. The end of the ones, okay? The tens. There was no year zero. There was no year zero. Conspiracy theorists. There's, uh, it's, it's current. All right. Obviously, I think everybody would agree the best moment of the decade is pretty clear. It happened in Minneapolis in February of 18. Is that anybody object on that one? No. No. No? Absolutely not. Okay. Who was the player of the decade? We, we, or can, I, let me I'll, ask I'll change the question. Who's the most important figure of the decade? What was the second you, best moment in the decade? The was was it Villanova? Well, oh, I think that I think the Chris Jenkins shot, shot. Right. is the second Although, most important decade. Know, and, decade. But if they had won without that shot, I don't think it would have been no. because if Villanova does. It's but I agree the, this the shot. Yeah. All right. So I have I have two candidates oh. for figures of the decade. Yeah. I'm going to cheat. Now, we're, now we're, I we're wording this as figures of the decade. Yes. Most figures. It doesn't have to be players. It gotcha. doesn't. Yeah. Gotcha. You can right, choose so a player or a coach or an executive. I'm, I'm cheating because Kevin and I have discussed this. Yes. Um, but I'm going to give two answers. Number one is Nick Foles for all the reasons that we have already covered. Quarterback who wins the Super Bowl. Underdogs, like the consummate Philadelphia story. Like, you couldn't have scripted it any better. Right. People loved him. He comes back. He plays great, etc. He's the Vince Papali of the 21st He's century. He's the fulcrum of... That's um, a good, that's a good analogy. Special, all of that. The other guy I would say is Sam Hankey. Because I don't know that any other figure started as profound a discussion about how we follow and cover sports in this city mm-hmm. and he got people looking at sports in a new way and in a way i i find his tenure to be the most fascinating and and the most frustrating of any coach or executive in a long long time here because damn it i would have liked to have seen what he did once the tanking well that's ended. what i was going to ask you like okay so would he have then what okay so he would have got to a certain point at what point does it end where he doesn't keep trading for more uh, draft picks? I'll like, answer that question. Go ahead, go ahead John. Go ahead, John. I, I, I had so many conversations with Sam during his tenure. I don't think that day ever would have came with Sam, and that I was a huge and that was a huge flaw of his because uh, he, a brilliant mind, but he could never think in the now. He always thought of what would happen two to three years from now. He could never think of, well, we need to correct this here and now to put us over the hump to do this. So from that standpoint, uh, although they made so many poor decisions to get to uh, where they are now, fortunately. um, But, John, wouldn't a natural day have come where he had to go forward? I mean, assuming he I mean, he had Embiid and Simmons at some point, he was going to have to move forward. One of the reasons that, you know, uh, Josh Harris ended up going to Adam Silver, which brought in the Colangelos, is because um, Sam Hinkie never thought in the now to a certain point to where he never even had a point guard for the, uh, for the start of his season 
which was the uh, the year that Colangelo came in. All of a sudden, I'm forgetting the year. The, the, 2016. Uh, that Jerry Colangelo came in and then brought in his son. So that's the one huge flaw that Sam Hinkie had. For as brilliant a mind as he was, he couldn't focus on you know what was right in front of him. He would think long-term and long-term solutions. So in my opinion, it never would have happened with Sam. Um, Mike, <laughs> I, and this is this is this might not be right because it's not one of the four major things. But I'm going to say Jay Wright, and for because look, Villanova is here and everybody else is here, and it's not always a Philadelphia thing. When the man won two national titles after going 13 and 19 in like two, in two, what, one of those years, and one is and the second one is as dominant. The second one and the first one is is is, is is embed indelible right. as anyone you're going to see at a little Catholic school out on the main line doing things at North Carolina and John Calipari's won one national title. Bill Self has won one national title. Tom Izzo's won one. He's got two. He's going to the Hall of Fame. Raleigh, in fact, him and Raleigh are both on the ballot. I just saw the the thing. He's going to get in before Raleigh, and Raleigh was his guy. You know, you know. But I just think that what he's done to take that program to where it's at, and I don't think we always appreciate because some people hate Villanova, and I, I, I get all that. But, man, it's just – it's they've been a number one or two seed like six times in the last eight years or nine years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, man, maybe that's wrong. Maybe that's um, – you know, but I, that, I'd throw that out there. Uh, and, Jay, obviously, you know, we both covered the first one, and, and you covered a lot of those second round. It's strange – the fact, the fact that the Big East changed, and some teams were really hurt. Best by thing that. that ever happened to Villanova. And Villanova turned that into a positive, and it to me that is. And the moment that's not the Philly special or something. The moment is the Jenkins shot. I agree with what Mike said. But think about the, it. The Jenkins shot is an all timer. You will see, you will see the Chris Jenkins shot every March that's until right. you die. They won two. Is that in order? It is. You they will see, watch it every year until you die. They won two national titles in three. It wasn't like you won 10 years apart. He won two in three years with a different team. I mean, they, yeah. they, they had so many. Yeah, one constant. But Jalen wasn't a main constant on that team in 16. He wasn't on the court at the end of the game. Mikhail Bridges wasn't on the court at the end of the game. Okay. Carolina doesn't win two. I, I think I went back. There was three other schools. It was um, a UCLA. No, since UCLA, I think Duke, Duke did it in the early 90s. Florida, Florida did it. And, and Kentucky won two in three years. Right. They're the only ones in 40-some years. And they did it. And the second one, like you said, Kevin, I mean, they just... That wasn't even like double close. figures every year. Thing. I mean... Every, every game was double figures in that run. Yeah. In 18. It was so, pretty remarkable. And I think we were so close to it. That maybe we didn't um, kind of give it, yeah, the, the dude that maybe it should have. But, you know. Uh, it, it, is there the worst moment game-wise? Obviously, there's been bad moments. The Roy Halladay airplane accidents one. Um, is there a worst game of the hmm. decade? Ooh. Cardinals game five? Yeah. 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 That's That's got to yeah. be it. When Ryan Howard like blew it, it literally the end of an era yeah. right there. So like, I thought the one to the Giants the year before was was almost as bad because they, Howard they, taking the call third strike, yeah, and a tough call third strike. But, but, but the Cardinal one was. But there wasn't that sense, and I, I was working in New York in 2011, so maybe I'm wrong about this. It was over. There wasn't that sense both entering the game, uh, 
in 2011, that game five, there was there had been so many expectations on that 2011 team, and they won 102 that, games, right? That yeah, yeah, rotation. right. They had a two to one lead in that series. Right. They had lost game four, so now it's coming back to Philly. From what I understand, there was a sense in the ballpark that night of foreboding and tension from the very first pitch. And the Cardinals scored the first run in the game in the Two first inning. In. Because yeah. that's what Halliday did. He gave you a, a run. triple and then a, a sack fly. And the Phillies had three hits that game. And um, the second Utley hit that ball to center field and that Abinius, almost went out. And Abinius hit one to yeah. right that mm-hmm. almost And I'll never forget, out. he let Polanco hit in like the eighth inning. Polanco couldn't get a ball past the pitcher's mound. And he let him hit. Mm-hmm. And it's just is you know you're, we're having this conversation for as long as we've been doing this now. There is one name we have not brought up who might have been the biggest fraud of all time in the last decade. Gabe Kapler. No, not, although Gabe certainly qualifies of that. He's a finalist. The head coach before Doug Peterson. Oh, oh yeah. good call. He, yeah, was that, gonna, he was going to revolutionize everything with diet. and. Well, he did for five games. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one, John. That that's How yeah, will that's, you look back at the Chip Kelly era there, uh, Mike? How will I look back? Yeah. Uh, well, I think, I think the first year and a half can be overlooked at how surprising and optimistic everybody was. Actually, in year two... After, nine, after they beat the Cowboys, they were nine and three. They were the number one seed. Yeah, they lost to Seattle. Lost to the Cowboys again, and that was the one. And that was it. And then it was never good. And, and, and to to play devil's advocate to a degree, number one, they were the number one seed in the NFC with Nick Foles playing poorly for eight games, and then Mark Sanchez You're right. You're as their right. quarterback. Yeah, because Foles had broke his collarbone. Right. right, and he had not played well the first half no, of the season anyway. Right, um, and then everything fell apart. And then the 2015 season fell apart. I think a lot of the disdain for Chip Kelly was born out of Chip's personality or lack thereof that he didn't, people didn't like Smartest him. Smartest guy in the room. Smartest guy in the room. People who covered him didn't like him. People who worked with him and coached with him and played for him didn't like him. That's part of it. If you had said biggest fraud to me of the decade, no doubt, Brian Colangelo. Like, oh, not even close. Brian. Collars. Yeah, collars, burner account. <laughs> Um, you know, the, the, the consummate example of nepotism in any professional sports league. I mean, come on. Can I ask you a question? Because you're down there and I'm not anymore. When, when, see, I get a little bit of Doug Peterson that he, he thinks he's Vince Lombardi sometimes. When he, but when he makes those comments that you guys never play the game, what do you think? And that's and, a new, and John, is that a new trend? A little bit new. I, I don't think, I think it's, I think Doug doesn't handle himself in those press conference situations in the best of ways. Do you think he's a nice guy? I think his instinct is to be helpful at time, most of the time. I think in those situations, he can, panic is too strong a word, but he doesn't know what to say. And if he gets defensive, he's just going to say something like that. Okay. Um, you know, he, so you shouldn't take it personally. I, I don't take anything I got in those okay. situations personally. Because there have been situations, like go back to 2016, where he questioned the work ethic of the team mm-hmm. and, and had to walk that back. Right. You know, sometimes he just he gets up there and he Or I or I guarantee says we're, something he I guarantee really we're gonna go to Dallas and, and yeah, win and then he says ah, that he really shouldn't I didn't say, say that. But it's 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 his instinct <laughs> coming forward. And yeah. I think for the most part his instinct is to be helpful. Yeah. 
Um, to me, you got to stay. You got to stay away from the. You never played the game, John. I, that's John, just me. you covered the Colangelos. Um, how big a fraud was Brian? <laughs> no, Brian was. He really was a big fraud. He, um, you know, it, it's, it's a funny story. I, I'll never say who told me this, but you know, when they'd finally decided to redo the Wells Fargo Center and commit all that three hundred some million dollars or two fifty, whatever it was, and at the time. Uh, before it happened, before they begun, and Paul Holmgren was still employed by the Flyers and all, uh, he happened to be there at the same time as Brian Colangelo, and they uh, had crossed paths in uh, one of the tunnels or something, and they got into the conversation about how it was being redone, and he, uh, Brian Colangelo had said to Paul Holmgren, you're welcome for this, by the way, Th- saying that he was, you know, what he has done with his organization is the reason they were redoing the Wells Fargo Center. When they built you know, when obviously the, the place was built around the Flyers. So it was uh, it, that that sums Brian Colangelo law perfectly. Doesn't he understand he's the tenant? Yeah. <laughs> I know. That's amazing. It's wild. They're paying, they're paying. John, sometime off the air, you got to tell us who told you that. Yeah, one day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will. It, you know, it's funny because you meant, you know, Colangelo is one of those characters and Chip Kelly is one of those characters. People who came in town, there was a lot of unlikable people who came in town. In this decade, Jonathan Papelbon is mm-hmm. one. I think uh, a lot of people would consider Gabe Kapler unlikable, though I didn't. Kapler, Kapler was weird. Kapler wasn't yeah, unlikable. I, I didn't think he was a bad guy. I just thought he was weird. John? Uh, it's a shame because he was a blast to cover. It, always a story with Gabe because he's just so different and odd. But it, it's a shame he turned out to be a fraud manager. Um, he's going to win a title with the Giants, man. Yeah, he's... <laughs> Define title. <laughs> well, <I'm talking. laughs> as in last place. All right. So as we wrap this up here, um, where do you see the next year going? Uh, let's start with the Eagles. Where do you see the Eagles going forward here? Uh, I see them making uh, substantial roster changes in the offseason, and they're going to have to. I don't know whether they will, but I think they have to start implementing a new player personnel philosophy where they really care about the draft. Yeah. Where they fix what's been going wrong with the draft, because as much as the salary cap is going to increase and as much as the NFL is the sun around where, you know, all the other planets revolve in, in the sports solar system of America, you can't keep signing veteran guys to short-term contracts and hope that that's going to work when you have a quarterback making upwards of $35 million. You can sign one. You, you know, sign one or two. Yeah, to, to, you can't build right, your philosophy right, around that the right. way that they did when Wentz was on his rookie contract mm-hmm. and was cheaper. They're going to have to draft better. Mm-hmm. And I want to see this year. This year, to me, is a huge potential it, turning point in that philosophy. They've yeah. got to get better at finding talent in the draft. And I would argue they've got to get better at developing it once it's here. Right. Greg Ward is on a 70-catch pace through five games. <laughs> and he was here the whole time. For three years. He was here, here the, the whole time. time. But they didn't have draft picks invested in him. Right. That's why they kept the other guys. By the way, roster. that's my point is that you've yeah. got to start. One thing, if you're, a Jeff, thing, if you're a Jeff fan, you have to be nervous about Joe Douglas, aren't don't you, after you've seen what's happened here with the uh, personnel oh, situation and the I, draft history, Mike? If you're a Jet fan? If you're a Jet yes. fan, you're nervous about Joe Douglas yeah, right now. a little bit, sure. Yeah. The one thing I want the Eagles to do, and they did such a good job of it with Foles, was to tailor the offense around what Foles could do. It doesn't seem like they do that with Carson. 
And I'm not saying, I hate the fact that he drops back most of the time into a pocket. That's the way you, I get it. Yeah. But you watch Wilson play, you watch, they do stuff for guys to get them out of that. They had the, what was it, the run pass option things. RPO. I yeah. think they have to do a much better job of making the offense more conducive for Carson to succeed. John, Eagles prediction? Uh, no, Howie Roseman uh, needs to be evaluated big time. You know, the, we, we, as you guys are all talking about what they've done in the draft and developing and identifying talent. It's a major problem that, you know, we didn't really pick up on until really this past calendar year. Um, one thing that's definitely going to happen roster-wise, uh, aside from identifying talent, the Eagles are going to do what Seattle did around Russell Wilson. You know, Russell Wilson started having issues with some of the players, his teammates around him, some of them were talking behind his back. So you know what they did? They didn't get rid of the franchise quarterback. They got rid of everybody else. They yeah. just kept continuing to build around the quarterback. And it so worked pretty well. And it worked out pretty well. That's what you're going to see with Wentz. That you're going to see Aguilar is going to be out of here. Alshon Jeffrey is going to be out of here. Anybody else they may they may view as you know ho hum on Carson Wentz is going to be gone. Sixers prediction, Mike. I think they make the NBA Finals. I think they are a team that is built better for the postseason than I do for the regular season. Having said that, I'm most curious to see what they do between now and the beginning of the playoffs. Yeah to shore up their outside shooting. Do they think realistically that Furkan Korkmaz is going to improve enough to the point that he can be a guy who they comes off the bench and knocks down shots for them? Or are they going to bring somebody else in, a la uh, a particular fan favorite who is not happy in New Orleans, whose name rhymes with May May Medic? Um, <laughs> but so, then you got to change your team around, right? I mean, that's not the team you built. You yeah. You'll find a way to fit them in. This is not the team that's going to be. They're going to make a move, whether yeah, the I move would is. So. I, would think um, so. I think the Sixers are. I'm not sure they're going to make the final. And I ask you, do you think they can win the finals if they yes, get there? Yes, I do. Depending okay. on who they play. And I think they could win the title. Like, before the season, Kevin, I think I said I would have taken the Sixers because they were like the sixth favorite. Yeah. So they were like 10 to 1, 12 to 1. Yeah. I, I don't think they're the best team. I'm not sure they're better than Milwaukee, but I think they better be in the Eastern Conference finals because if they were to lose to a Boston. Or in Indiana, or you know, throw a team out there, Miami. I don't think Miami's going to beat her at the end, but that wouldn't be good. No. If they lose to Milwaukee, I can accept that, even if it's not what we want. I can say, hey, okay, they went another. They, they lost, lost to, to the real, MVP. They lost to the MVP. They lost to a really good team. Um, but I, but anything less than that, it's going to be interesting to see how they would react to that. John, um, I, I'll take it a step further. They spent a lot of money this past offseason to reinsure this starting five will be here for years to come. It would not surprise me if they brought back J.J. Redick. They need to acquire a wing talent, a guaranteed score from the pre- perimeter later on You know, as the season progresses. Um, if they do not make the NBA Finals, Brett Brown's getting canned. Yep. Brett Brown will get fired. Even if they get to the East Final, lose a Game 7. Well, I, they're, I'm sure there's scenarios. Uh, right, yeah, but if, if they get to the East Final. Of, if it's a repeat of what happened with Toronto, maybe his job is saved. But barring something like that happening again, I think he gets fired. And I think one of the main reasons will be of them falling short. Uh, it will not be whether they acquire a wing or not. It's whether Ben Simmons can step up late in the playoffs, late in games, half-court offense. And, you know, because of that relationship, they're not going to get rid of Ben Simmons. They'll get rid of the coach and bring somebody else in to try to get through to him. I'm Mr. Doom and Gloom here. I think they lose in the second round again. Uh, And I think it's going to be to Boston. That's like Iowa beating Villanova. I, I just, I don't. Oh, Boston would scare me. I, I Only because they're Boston. I, uh, 
I don't trust that Simmons in the playoffs can handle the pressure of the moment of handling a fourth quarter of a tight playoff yeah, game. Boston's not, as good a, Boston's not as good a matchup against them anymore like they yeah, used to the, be. And that's, yeah, the Sixers, uh, things have changed when it comes to that. Yeah. I get you know, that, the, but... The Sixers, I think, can beat Boston in the best of seven. This team I'm still concerned with is Toronto because yeah. they brought in Gasol specifically for Embiid, and he knows how to get to Joel. And unless you're supporting... Well, you got to tell me if Siakam is going to be healthy. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's Siakam. Well, tell me if Embiid's going to be healthy. All that too, right? I mean, there's all there's all kinds of variables there, but it, the key in the end, we know what Joel's capable of. We can see that on on you know from game to game, those moments where you say that's Joel Embiid, that's the guy that'll win you a championship. Problem is, he can't do it alone. And oh. although Tobias Harris has his moments, and uh, Al Horford has moments, and he has that veteran leadership and tactics and knows what to do, it's going to come down to Ben Simmons. Oh. John, when does when does uh, the point guard take his next uh, three pointer? <laughs> Boy, we're, uh, I'm going to New Year's, I, and it'll be a headline. It will not happen on this current road trip. I, I love think. it. No. I love it. No. <laughs> I love it. He still hasn't taken well, one remember, since. Uh, remember the head coach yeah. after he made that three publicly said, "Tell his family, tell his agent." <laughs> this is a, this was a breaking point for Brett Brown because you can't get through to him. He wants a three game, and he wants eight attempts from the free throw line. He has done none of that since that point in time. And other teams know that. Yep, exactly. All right. We'll go in order of popularity. Phillies. Um, how much does Joe Girardi matter, and does Matt Klintak survive? I think Joe Girardi um, gets them, makes them a little bit better. I'm going to go out I'm on a limb here. I think the change in pitching coach... Will that help, will be a big help. Will help uh, a lot, and I think it'll help one starter in particular, and that is Zach Eflin. I have been not hired, Pavetta. Isn't the one Pavetta? They said he was throwing the wrong pitches all year. Yeah, well, well Eflin, uh, Eflin too. Eflin oh, was, maybe I got Chris, Chris no, Owen was a disaster. Oh, maybe I got him mixed up then. Maybe, maybe, yeah. I've been high on Zach Eflin since he came up, and when it was revealed that Chris Young was telling him to throw. Up, forcing fastballs up in the zone right. and not sinkers down in the zone, which is what Zach Eflin is most effective doing. Got him in the majors. Right. And what got him in the majors, I was gobsmacked. I think having Brian Price there will make a difference, enough of a difference in the pitching staff that this team will be in the wild card hunt the entire season. That's what I think. I would not disagree. I think, I, I want to see what happens with Hoskins. Because, you know, two, three years ago, we thought he was pretty good. And his numbers weren't horrible last and year. Gonna, this will be the first big money year coming up at right. the end of this year. And I just think he's look. We know you know what Harper's going to give you. Harper's going to give you thirty to thirty-five home runs, 100, 110 runs. You strike out a lot. You know, on and on and on. I think Gregorius is going to be a really good addition. It's amazing. I don't think. I, I agree with Mike. I think the Phillies are going to be a little bit better than maybe like we're looking at them now and saying third, fourth, whatever. I think the Nats are going to take a step back just because that's what happens when teams, you know, they're get, Scherzer's getting older, you know, whatever. I think the Phillies are going to be in that last couple of weeks. This year, I'm not saying that they're going, you know, but they're going to be in. They're going to be in our conversations, which will be good for them, right. you know, for a while. John? Uh, the... the uh, hiring of Joe Girardi, no matter what else has happened uh, this offseason or will happen, is uh, that is number one. That is the biggest decision and the best decision they could have made. 
the fact that he is someone who, you know, will attempt to build relationships, hold guys accountable, everything that, that Gabe Kapler was not, I think will be immensely helpful to, as Mike pointed out, Zach Eflin, who I think has a lot of talent and wasn't able to, you know, kind of hone in and work on it, to Reese Hoskins, who was completely lost because of what they were trying to tell him uh, in the early goings of the season, to even other guys like Gene Segura, if Gene Segura survives and is still here, you know, it, 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 Baseball is so mental. It's so mental. And it's such a long grind, the five, six, seven days a week from it. You know, having the right people around you makes such the difference. And I think the change in, in manager and the staff around him, you know, it's going to make them, as everybody has pointed out to this point, they're going to be competitive into September, which is, you know, despite what they're missing roster-wise, that, that's, that's the best you can ask for, to be in the conversation in the fall. I um I still see him as a fourth place team. I think the I think the part of it is look the 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 Nationals may take a step back, but there's a still a pretty good gap between them and We're the gonna Nationals. We're going to bet a cheesesteak or something on that. I I'm I think, bet the, that I think fin- the Mets are better, but I'm going to bet you that they're going to finish higher than fourth. Kevin's got the Sixers getting bounced in the second round again, and he's got the Phillies as the fourth. We had Iowa beating Villanova in 16. So. You, are, you are the end. I am. You are the safe no, but seriously, from the sky. Seriously, me, I, me and you are going to have because I don't think they're going to finish fourth. I think I don't know what they're going to finish. If they don't make an, if they don't get another starting pitcher between now and I'm and just, spring training, or actually just, between now and opening I'm day, I'm just telling you they're, they're not going to finish fourth. Well, then we're going to bet because I don't think they're going to finish fourth because I think they're also counting on. Zach Wheeler staying healthy, which is iffy. I think you're counting that Aaron Noel is going to pitch. Hey, the whole, Met, the whole Met staff gets injured usually by by the time we get to June. So of course they paid the guy 120 they, million who always got injured. That, I'm just saying it does, things happen to other teams. I too. get it. Um, they will not finish fourth. All right. Well, finally, well, finally, Flyers. I think the Flyers are a playoff team, mostly because of two people: the coach and the goaltender. Um, but, they some, but they have some other guys who are actually like playing okay, right? They, they have the, the other guys who are playing okay, um, to me, is a testament to what happened before Chuck Fletcher got here. It's that they didn't trade away Travis Konechny or Ivan Provorov or Travis Sanheim. Or you want a, a hexy? You want a hexy victory lap on this one? Here's what I want. I want someone. <laughs> I want someone who follows this team now. Give him his two. Roots for this team to understand what he did. He was not perfect, but he changed the way that they had done things forever, and it needed to be done. And Ron Hextall is not here because Ron Hextall really didn't give a crap for anybody else in the building who didn't. See things his way. He isolated else a lot in of the people. The building had gone forty years without winning. I understand. <laughs> Why but, would he listen but, to but that? It wasn't. It wasn't an idea. It wasn't because of his talent evaluation. It was more the personal connections. Would you agree on that? That it was. He did not want to listen to what other people in the building had said because the other people in the building had been part of the problem for four decades. And everybody from the outside perceived him as going over the edge the other way. Yes. Because we had lived so long in that other world. Right. Which, John? Know. Yeah, no, I I will say, with Elaine Vigneault, it's, you're going, they're going to be a playoff team. And you can only hope he can replicate what he did in his prior two stops in New York and Vancouver. No, it's it was well overdue, as we discussed earlier, the change in this franchise you know, it's a shame they don't have a face to ownership, but having the general manager that they do, 
the, a lot of the changes that Ron Hextall, you know, began that Chuck Fletcher's continuing and kind of putting in his spin on things. And then having Vigneault there, and I, you know, it's, it's a lot of a lot of band aids that are, you know, on a sinking boat that they that, that they've been trying to correct for multiple years now. It's not an easy fix. If you all right, final question: If you could make one change in the landscape in twenty twenty, what would it be, John? Hmm. Hmm. Change in the landscape in twenty twenty. In the, what in would the it sports be? landscape, raises at WIP. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Wow, that's a good start. Um, wow. Come back to me on that. Let me think about that All right. for a minute. Mike? Oh, that's a good question. Are we talking media? Are we talking sports? Hey, take it wherever you want it to go. Less, right, less is, cheerleaders in the yeah, uh, I would like to see... The media? This is not going to happen. That ain't going to happen. This is not going to happen. Uh, I know it's not going to happen. But I would like to see it. I would like to see NBC Sports Philadelphia... Get back to oh. being what in, what made NBC Sports Philadelphia. Well, that ain't going to happen. Great. Which <laughs> was, I'm not talking about bringing back Daily News. Live. No, I know what you're talking about. I'm talking about, <laughs> I'm talking about the idea that they are the network on television and even online in Philadelphia. And I, I would argue online, the inquire.com is where you want to go. But that they are no longer what they have objective. been for the last year. Objective. Which is not only just objective, but reveling in this outsider status. You you have people there who can do good work. That's the world, baby. Covering these teams and have done good work covering these teams. But they're all gone. You, there's still a few of them there. Not not enough. You're gonna do. You're gonna get. This is what you're gonna get. Pre-game, post-game, the game, and. Outsiders. The sports, no, I think he's talking no, no, outsiders. No, 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 no I don't even count that. the out. No, I'm I don't count the outsiders. I'm just saying that's what they are now. There is no programming. I understand. I understand. They want, I said it wasn't going to change. They want the outsiders show because they want to try to get that 35 year old person who. And look, I love Tyrone. I, I, I like you know when he's on, but that show is you can't watch it. Or at least I can't. And then again, that might be an AIDS thing. I'm not saying they don't do a good job. I'm not saying the Eagles, but that's the world, what it's coming to. They get rid of basically everybody they had, except for a few. And they're not going back. They're not taking like a step back that way. You know, I I, I, I completely understand what you're saying. And I acknowledge that what I'm asking for is not going to happen. What I'm suggesting is that network had a tone. Oh, yeah. Had content that made it worth watching. Mm-hmm. Apart from the actual events that it had the right, I agree. That tone and content no longer exists. Yeah, and it's not necessarily totally the fault of the people who work there. Oh no, it's not their fault. It's people above them. Yes, I get it. But that that is a factor in the landscape that I personally miss, mm-hmm. and I wish it would change. Well, and I do think that the town has become softer. In a lot of ways, um, but I don't think it's their fault. No, I like think it's. I think it's, I think it's non-sports people imposing their yeah. will on sports people. But I mean, it's just like talk radio is not the same. Well, I would as, say as, that too, and John. It's, but it's not their. I would totally agree. Yeah, but it's not the people that are doing it. They're just doing what they're. It's like if I worked at the paper and they asked me to do something, I might not agree with it. Mm-hmm. But if they ask me to do it. I'm begrudgingly, but I'm going to do it because right. that's what they want me to do. I'll right. um, you know, file five things at the end of the game on, you know, okay, I'll give it to you. It won't be good, but you'll get it. Right. I would just like to see, and it's never going to happen again, but the whole 
fan fan fandom. Just be a little bit more realistic and just be a, li- a little bit, not a lot, but just don't get this Super Bowl. Well, you've only been to two. Okay. All right. World Series. You know, let things happen first. Let let the Flyers get to a playoff and win a playoff. And, and, and you know, it's just every, we always put, I hate to use it, but the cart before the horse. It's, we're always nine months ahead of ourselves. And then when it doesn't work out, somehow it's the team's fault. No, it's our fault because I'm the one who said the Eagles are going to be in the Super Bowl. The Eagles have a better team than they did last year. The Sixers are going to be in the finals. No, the, the Sixers, and now the Sixers may think that, and they should think that. I just think we have to take, and it'll never happen because we're such a passionate fan base, and, and we're not New York, and we, we always think people are crapping on us. So, and please, no more Joe Buck's doing the game this week, and I'm really upset because he doesn't like the Eagles. Please, can we stop that? John, how would you change the landscape? <laughs> I think I, I think uh, I'm trying to think of the proper way to phrase it, but it would definitely involve social media and the use of it mm. today. I mean, it is it's it's gotten to the point where it's too much, and because it's so uh, it's 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 so flooded into the market now that you know, finding reliable information as opposed to hot takes and um, and you know. Or to put it another way, you know, information or news that was relevant at the time can be held against you when something changes later in time, if you understand what I'm saying. And as as much as we're growing as a society, social media, as great as it is, almost brings you back to infancy and to, you know, it's not you, it's, it's not me, it's you and pointing the finger at things as opposed to taking ownership for certain things, if that makes sense. John, how many times, and I'll ask Mike this too, and Kevin and I have been in the same boat, do you chase stuff down because it was on social media and your boss or somebody, or you just figure, how much of your life have you wasted Mm-hmm. on stuff like that that had Fake no... Fake rumors. But you had to go after it because, hey, my God, maybe it's right when you knew it wasn't right. Yeah, sadly, as I'm, Mike will tell you the same thing, too. I mean, some stuff you know just to ignore, but other things, you know, you don't want to be wrong. You don't want to say, that's ah, nonsense. That, that, that's the, that, to me, is the bigger issue. I think John's put his finger on it, yep. which is, it, and, and this is something I've encountered. I'm sure John has, too. When you are writing something or about to say something, if if you are, you know, let's say you're taking a position on, you're writing about the Eagles and Carson Wentz. Like, I'll go back to the day Carson Wentz, tore his knee up in L.A., okay? And I the col- I wrote the obvious column that day, which was, well, the best player in the NFL is gone for the season. The Eagles' best player is out. Say goodbye. Everyone, it doesn't look good. And to this day, I get people, you know, you were the one who buried the Eagles after Carson Wentz got hurt. You don't know what, the, what you're talking about. It's like, yeah. look, everybody has moments like that. Mm-hmm. Go, we love Ray Dittinger in this town. Go back and read some of Ray Dittinger's columns for the Bulletin the Daily News. He got stuff wrong. What were you supposed to write? We, Nick we, Foles is going to come in and ride to the rescue, yeah. folks? We all <laughs> get stuff it, wrong at times. And I do that I think is, John's point about the gotcha games that everybody can play now. Because you can go find it on Twitter. Yeah. Because you can find right. it on Twitter is it doesn't help. I always said as as great as social media is, it's in many cases lowered the IQ of many people. You couldn't have put it any better than that. I always thought I would rather get the story second and get it right 
then get it first and get it wrong. But that's not the way the mentality is anymore. People just want to see you right. have it. Right. And, and, and that, even if you get it second and it's right at the time, things may change yeah, so yeah. that it turns out to yeah. be wrong or it turns out to not be as fully developed be as, as fully developed. Or you may take what seems a reasonable position, what is a reasonable position at the time, and then things change and you're an idiot because you didn't see the radical way in which they changed. Yeah, and then and then Kelsey will stand up at the parade and tell you that yeah, you were wrong. Exactly. Well, <laughs> well, I I would say my 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 hope is I want journalists and reporters and talk show hopes and everything. And this is kind of like what Mike said. It's not going to happen. It's like Kelly Clarkson, my Christmas wish. Yeah, I I want less clickbaity, hot take, Skip Bayless wannabe that have developed in. Our media. Can landscape. I throw something in there? And I don't Go know ahead. if I have the word right. Less vitriol is that no, right? Less, no, no. I want no. There's a lot of hate, myself, but there's a lot of hate being, out there. Yeah. There's a lot of like Mike Sealski. You don't know what you're talking about. Instead of just saying, "Hey, Mike, I, I think you know maybe I disagree with what you said." There, there's it, nobody's like that anymore because they all want to be Stephen A. and and the guy you just said, and Skip Skippy. I mean, God. Well, I think Kevin's talking more about what we as people who are at official media outlets mm-hmm. are doing are doing because um, we won hits. Yeah. I think that's it. Mm-hmm. I think it's, yeah. um, you know, let us take the extreme position. Right. Let us, let us, which, which has a slight, might have a slight grounding in reality. And yet we crank it up to a level where you go, wait a minute. Yeah. You're just saying this to get a reaction. Get up does it. I mean, Greenies are perfect, like all those guys yeah. on there. And it's not a bad show in, in the sense of what you... But no, it is a bad w- show, but no, that's no, a whole different story. If they did it better, it wouldn't be. The way they do it, it's like musical chairs and let's move, move people. But everybody wants to get everybody lathered up. Yeah. That's what they want. And they want to say, did you see what Colin Cowherd said today? He was trolling us. Yeah, now you're going on there and, and, and letting people know that Colin Cowherd was trolling you. So that's my hope going forward as we go into... Like and, up also, and also... Um, World peace. And world peace. Yeah. <laughs> I only have one one at this time of year. May 2020 be better than 2019. May it be your best year yet. Whatever that means. Yeah. Just, you know, and when we all when we all be back here next year to do this again. Yeah. I'll have to get more cookies. Um tacos. Ta- no, I'm not getting you tacos. Thank you guys for joining us. Mike Zilski from the Inquirer. John Johnny, Johnson be good, man. from 94 WIP and KYW hey News Radio. I always have to remember the KYW part, too. You know? Yeah, man. I'm there with KYW. Exactly. Hey, Northeast Pizza Palooza's coming up. It is. <laughs> We're doing it in February. So, all right. All right. Thank you, John. Thank you, Mike. Hey guys. Appreciate everyone for joining us here as we've, we have fun. Happy New Year to all of you. We're back on Monday uh, with the. Uh, with something, we'll talk Eagles. This has been working the beat. Well, you oh. went uptown.